Hello, I am C-3PO, and I believe the storyteller is ready. So let us begin. There's no light left in Kylo Ren. He's only getting stronger. The First Order will control all the major systems within weeks. We need your help. We need the Jedi Order back. We need Luke Skywalker. On the remote island of Octu, Luke Skywalker is telling Rey to go away. I don't want to have no part of this. I came here to die. I do not want to have anything to do with the resistance or your fight. She says, but Master Skywalker, we need you. There's no reason Leia would have sent me here to get you if it wasn't important. And then it kind of occurs to Luke, yeah, why did they send you? Who are you, Rey from nowhere? Yes, so Luke essentially wants to learn a little bit more about her. He's asking her this inside of a force tree that has ancient Jedi texts that she looks at. Uh, he wants to know a little bit more of why she specifically is there. This is after Ray kind of follows him around during his hermit routine to see that he's, yeah. he's really not that busy and he has the time to be able to train her if he <laughs> wants to. Uh, and But Leia does feel through the force that Ray's been having some struggles getting Luke to get off his, you know, woe is me ass. Uh, and in that same time frame, uh, Poe then demotes, uh, Leia then demotes Poe uh, after his ridiculous antics that resulted in several good people dying. Uh, and then in that instance, the First Order shows up on their doorstep and they realize, oh, fuck, we only have one bit of light speed. And Leia's like, they were, we, they tracked us. They tracked us through light speed. We need to conserve that. Right. The First Order kind of jumps out from the shadows and they yes. start attacking the resistance and they're not ready for it at all. No. Uh, Kylo Ren is a part of the enemy fleet that's opening fire on he's the good guys. He's leading it. On the good guys. And it's, it's actually very Vader-esque, which is kind of cool. Um, and he knows through a force connection that on the other side of that steel wall in space is his mother. Um, and we see uh, his thumb resolve not to uh, assassinate his mother the way he did his father just days before. Um, but then out of nowhere, somebody behind him, a part of the First Order, uh, fires at the, the main control deck of the first of the, uh, the Resistance and Admiral Akbar and Leia Organa. And her whole team gets sucked out into space and they all die, presumably. Yes, they're all blown into the vacuum of space. Kylo also flies into the hangar, blows up all of the X-Wings along with Poe's X-Wing. Poe hadn't gotten into it yet, so he survives, and they shut the blast doors to kind of block themselves off from the major explosion. But essentially, their mobility fleet is gone, so they're trapped on this giant cruiser. And like you said, all their leadership gone as well. But Leia, in the vacuum of space, wakes up and pulls herself to safety with the Force, uh, and then thus is, is free in that regard, is safe in that regard. Right, but she's kind of confound a hospital. Now she's on bed yes. rest for a really long time. And so uh, Holdo has to step in, which is Laura Dern. And she is a no-nonsense, uh, fairly well-tenured uh, military professional, career professional. She's known. Uh, she's got a reputation that Poe is familiar with, although she's not what he expected. And so very quickly, he, along with Poe and a new friend, devise a plot Yes, so Finn had run into Rose when he was trying to send the beacon away so the Ray would not come back to their doomed ship. Uh, Rose thinks that he's becoming a defector, and so she lasers, uh, she kind of stuns him. The two of them realize they've got more in common and their common purpose, uh, and so they call up Maz to be able to figure out how can they penetrate the First Order shields to get on board so that they can ultimately uh, disarm the tracker and allow themselves to make one meaningful jump in light speed. Uh, all the while, there's also occurring at this same time. Um, 
Well, Luke, Luke is basically, uh, he's come around sort of. He's going to, he's agreed to at dawn teach Rey the main three lessons of the Jedi, but on the condition that she then comes to understand that this is why the Jedi needs to end. Yes. And the, the thing I was trying to forget that had just escaped me was the fact that Luke comes to this conclusion after getting on the Falcon, realizing, hey, right. it's R2, his old friend. R2 tries to tell him you need to come back, and Luke's like, you don't understand. And then R2 plays the famous Help Me Obi-Wan Kenobi. And that's what brings Luke around. That that might be our record for the longest recap ever. And I don't even accept any of the responsibility because this was a very frantic 20. It was a frantic 20. And also it wasn't the greatest descriptions by me on a couple of them. No, it's so. okay. I think you did fine. But like you've said that this movie has a lot of long scenes. This was not an example of that. This 20 in particular. It had a lot of really short scenes. In yes, fact, you know, it, it felt prequely to me. It felt very, uh, I wrote down a couple of, of thoughts on what exactly made it specifically prequely. For, for one, it's slow going this 20 could have been condensed down to 12 minutes um uh, there's a lot of vague and non-signature star wars scoring obviously when leia poppins happens we recognize that music and when luke is on the falcon we recognize that music but otherwise there's just like it doesn't really feel that star warsy in the classic sense it has for a movie and a half up to this point um and it feels quite bogged down in rules and doctrine both from Luke's standpoint in terms of the the ancient text of the force and also the political ramifications of being uh the first order there's a lot of like chatter about doctrine and rules and protocol that protocol it feels so prequely to me yeah i didn't really necessarily see that and i actually i don't think i think it's impossible to make this 20 any shorter considering what happens in it uh you have to devise the it, it kind of is it's part of the reason why it's like, I, they they need to flesh out the plan a little bit more. The plan is 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 weird. It just kind of they yeah. jump into it a little bit out of nowhere. You make it shorter by not making Rose a character in this movie. Yeah, I don't want to be so overt about no, that. But like, but the the ending where they get their ideas from from Maz and Maz says you'll find him in the casino on Canto Bite. It's just it sounds like yeah a B plot. Like yeah. the way she says it, it's like, oh, you're going to go do that while we worry more about this, these goings on over here. No, you're absolutely right. And it is one of the worst B-plots in Star Wars. It's not good. Uh, it's real. And especially seeing as it pretty much results in nothing as mm -hmm. we go throughout the movie. Well, and while we're, while we're talking about that, um, Maz is referring uh, Finn and Rose and Poe to the council of this code breaker who yes, she knows. The code breaker. Who's a poet with the a blaster, blaster and... and is that DJ? Do I remember that correctly? She's talking about DJ? No, she's not. Uh, Justin Thoreau plays the the, right. the correct code breaker. But not really a character at all. It's just weirdly nope. Justin Thoreau who we has just no lines. Yeah. Are we to believe that he and Maz fucked? No. Because, be seriously, because at one point they're like, gee, he sounds like he's good at everything. And Maz is like, oh, he is. Like She's no. very horny. He's a master code breaker. An ace pilot, a poet with a blaster. Oh, my, it sounds like this codebreaker fellow can do everything. Oh, yes, he can. I think it's very much along the lines of he's supposed to be kind of this attractive, can do everything, can't do any wrong, can make anyone swoon sort of character, even right. someone who's a thousand years old like Moss. Right, I get Well, except for that we learned in the last movie that she is kind of horny. 
Well, yeah, with the, the chewy thing, but yeah. I mean, I don't know. I don't see it as as being so overt in that regard. I just see it as she has many associates across the galaxy. Maz Kanata's one and only appearance in this film is so lame when she's it like is. she's on a conference call with them while she's also in the middle of a shootout, and they're like, "What's going on?" And she's like, "Oh, it's union negotiations." Union it's the dispute. Yeah, stupid. It's so dumb. Yeah, it is. and it's also Maz was a great character in The Force Awakens, and so fucking wasted in this movie and dj is an atrocious character and you can just replace dj with maz that's and make it work that's the biggest difference i think between dj and rose and rose uh, kelly marie tran in particular got so much flack for rose's character being imperfect in this film dj is worse dj is a million times because worse. i forget he even exists most of the time he's awful his stupid yeah. stutter i mean he wasn't in this 20s so we can't focus on him too much right. right now but yeah he's he's terrible he's a terrible character but rose is not that good either no rose is just unimportant and she's like crying and i, I find her her little virtuous uh <laughs> Yeah, I her, know. her little her little plan to secretly tase everyone who tries to get away is just like, who are you? What are you doing? Yeah, it's, she's being the you know she's being the good little soldier in the best way that she can. And Would she be welcomed in with Ray and Poe? I guess they don't have a choice because she knows that Poe is or that that Finn was marooning. Uh, she, well, she's she's the Finn of the Resistance, whereas like Finn was a janitor. She's a mechanic. Sure. And so it's like low person on the totem pole rising to the occasion sort of thing. Except she doesn't. They they do a big swing and a miss. And at the end, she defies physics again and somehow saves Finn's life. Even though Finn was like a couple hundred yards ahead of her. And somehow her ship changes direction, jumps ahead. And then somehow is able to knock him out. But we'll get to that later. Right. But what do we do with Rose Tico at the end of this trilogy? Because we've already talked about how given Finn's heroic little jumping in front of the bullet at the end of this movie, which we can talk about in a few weeks, mm. it kind of is silly now to kill him at all because yes. he already died on screen, except he then he wasn't dead. But for the same reason, like, are we going to kill off Rose? No. To to make the path clear between Finn and Ray? And like, I don't really want it won't be Rose and Ray. Finn together. I think Finn is a better chance to be with Jana than with... I, I agree. And I like the idea of him having a different girl to wheel in all three of these movies. I like that for Finn, but I don't yeah. know what to do with Rose at the end of all this. No, I think... Well, I really think Rose will be associated with Leia a lot. Maybe. I think Rose will be associated with Dom Monaghan. And I think Rose will be associated with Connix, uh, who's Billy Lord. Right. And so I really think you'll have them being at like... HQ. She gets like a, a resistance promotion. Yeah, I mean, if like if you think about classic Star Wars in terms of you have your characters in different locations and then it's a big war, and that's how war works: war on all fronts. Right. If we're gonna have our like our main heroes together, you're gonna still have an HQ that's controlling the overall war. And if our main people are on the ground, then who's gonna be in that HQ? Well, it just makes sense to be those people. Um, and more and more, and this has always been a kind of a rumor about the rise of Skywalker, literally since like right after the last Jedi came out and more and more people think it's, it's, it just has always had steam and that Hux gets kidnapped in this, in this movie and is kind of like held as, uh, he's just Hux and ultimately right. gives up information that the resistance needs he's because wormy. he's a worm. Yeah. Um, but if you have it in the sense where it's like Dom Monahan and, and Rose and, like conics 
they can kind of deal with Hux. And so mm-hmm. you can kind of have it being focused on military versus military style in that regard. That's so true. It's just in terms of trying to wrap up all the loose ends. These people are not going to have anything to do with Palpatine and what he's doing with like the Knights of Ren and everything like that. It'll be purely First Order being their antagonists. Right. And so you got to think about who's going to be that First Order. General Pride. Maybe they'll have like, he'll be their main antagonist. So let's talk about the uh, the Leia Poppins in the room. Yes. Which, Holy shit, it's dumb. Which is controversial. It, it's, it is dumb. I agree it's dumb. But here, here's my thought, and I think you'll agree. It was time this series gave us a proper example of Leia using the Force in a yes. big way. Because we know, or at least it's been told to, hu- told to us and illustrated in small, subtle ways that she is strong with the Force. But it always comes across as like she's got a headache over a table. Yeah. Because she's getting a, a feeling from somewhere else in the galaxy. And it's 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 nice that she finally got to do something action-packed with the Force. Why did they choose it choose for it to be this? Uh, and what are the implications of Leia Poppins in particular? Uh, it's just to show that she's very powerful, I yeah. think. Uh, some people have also thrown that to more of the speculation that if she can survive an explosion like that in the vacuum of space and pull so herself Palpatine. so can Palpatine... Mm-hmm. Um, and there's kind of a good point. There's some merit to that. Yeah. However, I've always thought that the Leia Poppins thing could have been improved. It completely could have become a, like a weird scene to a perfect scene had she not blown into space. I wanted to ask if you, you have about everything that. Yeah. blow up around her, mm-hmm. and then you have her like gripping calmly onto something that allows her to some like how is she, and then you have her like continue her walk through into to safety in that regard. You're right. It, is more consistent with like Jedi's don't survive explosions. No. Luke later does in this movie because he's a hologram. Right. But you could have it be more reasonable that Leia has almost sensed it and like mm-hmm. created like a bit of a force field bubble for herself in some way, shape or form or who knows what. But like if she was sucked out in the vacuum of space and exploded like that, how come she didn't explode too? Right. She's still made of organic matter. Exactly. Yeah, well, and just the visual of her literally flying like yeah. Iron Man yeah, with her well, arms down by her waist is really bizarre. It was, she's got one arm out. That's even worse. Oh, yeah. Then she looks like Superman. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> no, it looks terrible. That's, yeah. that's the problem. It looks it looks really cheesy and dumb. I, I like what you said, and I was going to ask you, how can we illustrate that she's strong with the Force in this scene mm-hmm. in a more palatable way? And I think you're right. I think it's just not have her catch air. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's a good way of putting it. Yeah. She can't catch air, but she that would still be badass as hell. Sure. If they showed up from a big distance, like this huge canyon carved out of the ship. Mm-hmm. But Leia is clung to it, still there, because then it would also be foreshadowing for her brother surviving the ATAT explosion, but True. standing right there at the end of the movie. Well, so in more ways than one, this is working to be a better solution, Ryan. You have to remember that when we saw this movie, Carrie Fisher was already gone. Yes, for a year, yes. she'd been dead for almost so a year. The first time we saw it, it was mind blowing because we were like, "Is that what they just did? That's how they kill off Leia, and in like such an unceremonious, unexpected way." Oh, I know. When we're already seeing our first Star Wars movie without Carrie Fisher. By the way, what a miracle that we still have a Carrie Fisher movie left. That's, oh, I know, it's I, so wonderful. I can't wait to see what they do with this. Well, especially with the thought that there's going to be potential, like you could have some flashbacks in there, and that it was supposed to be her movie, and they took out a bunch from The Force Awakens, so they have actual new footage. Yeah, like that's super cool. I kind of like the the division of responsibility in that Force Awakens is Han's movie, and Last Jedi yeah. is Luke's movie, and this was always supposed to be Leia's. 
So Rise of Skywalker, is she the Skywalker who rises? Probably not anymore. No. no. Um, I've, I've, it's Rey. Rey is the Skywalker who rises. But I tend to agree. I also believe that it is, in a sense, all of the Force ghosts uh, and also Palpatine, meaning those as well. Ultimately, but nobody talks about Palpatine thing. I don't find Leia Poppins to be that problematic. I find it dumb, yeah. but but forgivable. And so, yep. you know, if, if, if you find it kind of hard to swallow, spoonful of sugar. Oh, that was a good one. Yeah, I've been sitting on it for like five minutes. That doesn't surprise me. Yeah. <laughs> Want to do a couple good quotes, though? Did you hear a word I just said? I think what? I'm going to walk out with a laser sword and face down the whole First Order? What did you think was going to happen here? You think that I came to the most unfindable place in the galaxy for no reason at all? Go away. My favorite quote is, why are you here, Ray, from nowhere? Where are you from? Nowhere. No one's from nowhere. Jakku. All right, that is pretty much nowhere. Why are you here, Ray, from nowhere? Yes. That, that might be a good episode title. I have, I've, up, I've underlined a couple ones, and it's it, the only ones that really make sense are, uh, why are you here, Ray, from nowhere? Or um, or just Ray from nowhere, maybe. Yeah, Ray from nowhere also works. Uh, it's time for the Jedi to end, mm-hmm. uh, and that was a cheap move. That was a cheap move. Um, yeah, that's when they I, show the R two thing. I adore that scene. It's really sweet. Like that's that's the thing with the Last Jedi. It's sim- It's so similar to Revenge of the Sith. Yeah, there are some really bad, 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 bad moments, mm-hmm. and there are some of the best moments in Star Wars. Yeah, the Yoda scene is incredible. The R two scene is wonderful. The R two scene. I love Kylo versus Luke on crate. It is insane how much I love that. The R two scene in particular, where he wakes up so and it's endearing. good to see you, old friend, and then he plays that old clip from Leia. Help me, Obi Wan Kenobi, you're my only hope. That is fan service done perfectly. Yeah, that is perfect fan service. And also, once again, this happens right after the Leia thing. Mm-hmm. So the way we see it is, we lost Carrie Fisher, and you just killed Leia. Yeah, and now we're seeing the first thing we saw of Leia. Yep. And then they, of course, do Leia Poppins, so she's back to life. But cheap uh, shot. Yeah. Uh, cheap move. Poe, get your head out of your cockpit, which is kind of funny. Uh, good delivery from Ray on. I've seen your daily routine. You are not busy. Yeah, that is a really good one. Good comedic delivery. Yeah, she delivers it well. Uh, Ray, why? Leia sent me here with hope. If she was wrong, she deserves to know why. We all do. Mm-hmm. The Leia part, yeah, she deserves to know. Poe to Leia, permission to jump in an X-Wing and blow something up. Yeah, that is a good one. It's kind of surprising that she says yes, given the circumstances, but I guess... Under the circumstances, an emergency. you kind of have to. R2, R2. Yes, yes, I know. Hey, it's a sacred island. Watch the language, old friend. That's right. That's I wish right. I could make you understand, but I'm not coming back. Nothing can make me change my mind. Uh, this is from Holdo, and there's something good in this line, but it's a run-on. Uh, we are the spark that will light the fire that will restore the Republic. It's 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 not it's not terrible, but we need to pare it down a little bit. It's too yeah, long. Yeah, I don't like Holdo's speech. No, I don't like that. She's so immediately condescending and rude to Poe. She knows what just happened with Poe. She does know what just happened, but at the same time, she doesn't need to be as rude and condescending as she is because all he is doing is he is asking, and he was Leia's favorite. Leia may have just demoted him. Right. But even at the end, she says, I like him. I I don't know if you're trying to teach a lesson here, but probably not the right time. Holdo just kind of doesn't work for me. It's not Laura Dern's fault. I love Laura Dern. But the purple hair, it feels like... uh, it feels like 
an overly strong attempt to make her look alieny or Star Warsy, and it's kind of cheap. The character was changed a lot. Yeah. So the character in earlier scripts aligned better with her appearance, and mm. then also in earlier scripts, the character was expanded out in different um, books, and so the character is was much more hippie like. Okay. And much more kind of. Ooh, go with the flow sort of and very believing in the force and was like leia's slightly younger friend from a very young age and really kind of worked in like the sure. leia princess of alderaan book and um i think she was in bloodline as well i can't remember uh but it like the character changed a little bit and then by the time this movie came or whatever the final cut was you're right it doesn't align with the character at all so the no. character's boring as shit yep and does this cool maneuver at the end but the weird like purple hair and the purple outfit it just doesn't make sense she kind of is again it's nothing against make her an alien if you want her to look like that's that. what i think is i'm struggling to imagine where she best belongs in star wars this character kind of feels like a gotta cast one it kind of feels like oh i guess i gotta cast laura dern even though i don't really know that she belongs in star wars fine let's make her like second in command at the yeah at the resistance but having said that i'm not so sure she wouldn't have been a good kind of renegade like a female han type who like is off on her own yep and wears like a, a vest <laughs> <laughs> yeah no lord looks lord lordern's great but I mean, you also don't want to make her the same character as she has in like jurassic park maybe that's what i'm thinking uh, maybe yeah. she's coming back for jurassic park as well no i know i know uh but yeah no i i think the character is uh it, it doesn't really work and that's what to be honest and it's a shame like because ryan johnson like i don't blame him away a lot of people do and I'm excited the fact that he has more options with new Star Wars. However, and I don't think he did any disservice to any of our legacy characters. However, all of the characters he created sucked. Right. Which yeah, is that's true. Which kind of is worrisome in the sense that some people think he abused our legacy characters. I don't. But I think everything he created from scratch is bad. Yep. Yep. I tend to agree. Which is a little worrisome. I want to talk a little bit about this montage of activity where they show us what Luke has been up to all these years and yeah. she's just following him around and he for the most part ignores her, but he goes over and very graphically uh, milks some blue milk and as if the udders... Green milk. Some green milk. As if the udders aren't kind of gross enough, he puts it in a Gatorade bottle, <laughs> takes takes a swig and then winks at Ray practically. Like he kind of shows his teeth. It's horrible. It's a horrible shot. <laughs> I don't mind it i hate it I, I see it being more as like he is so grizzled and the exact opposite of what he wanted to be growing up true in the sense that he's back to drinking green milk on an island oh, that's he true. grew up on a desert drinking blue milk and now he has thrown away everything that he wanted growing up and so i see it as a complete return to the thing that he wanted so badly to get away from i guess so and it's interesting because the novelization of The Last Jedi starts out with him having a vision of what his life could have been like had he never explored the Force. Really? And so it starts out with, like, what would, like, kind of, like, life had been like had Still I, on tattoo. Had it been a moisture farmer and, like, his wife is just a, like, he the name used is a girl that he went to, like... Yeah, farm he, girl. Yeah, just a farm girl, and you know, at the time. And just, yeah. And so it's very much along the lines of kind of reflecting on like holy shit what did i why did i do this right. but at the same time we realize well that's why when he sees the leia i i guess and i really like what you just said because i didn't i didn't really piece it together symbolically on that level i just don't like the visual and, oh and it's a gross visual it's, it's gross no but i don't think it's good movie making the visual i think it's well, I, I don't think it looks like luke and and in general i'm what is supposed to be beautiful terrain and is mesmerizing in mm. in 
the the Force Awakens. In this movie in particular, looks a little soundstagey to me. It looks a little cheap. It almost looks like the Cliffs of Insanity and the Princess Bride, which, <laughs> in, which in this case is not great. No, that's fair. And that's another thing that looks really prequely to me is that we're just getting these like close-ups on like again, you want to talk about montage where there's no talking, the buffaloes in the field and yep. attack of the clones. Yep. No, that's a very good point. It definitely shares a few elements of that. I love the fishing. Yeah, that's the not bad. Always a bigger fish reference too. He pulls yep. up like this tiny fish, then sticks it down once more. Right. <laughs> oh, I, yeah. Always a bigger fish. You're very smart when yeah. it comes to Star Wars. Uh, but I just, I, I, I thought that was really good, and it's also a really good throw to the Legends of Luke Skywalker book. Yeah. Where I forget, I, I haven't read that one, but it's about like the amazing stories of Luke that people like Tami, like Tamiri Blag, the kid, like stable boy. Yeah. Like it's essentially like the kind of stories that a kid like him would tell, would chat with his friends about, oh, the time that the infamous Luke Skywalker did this. Right. Uh, and one of them is like it, in that story, he learns to, he learns that method of fishing, which is kind of a funny oh, little Oh, that's kind of neat. So, yeah, it's just like a funny little homage to it there. Okay. Do you want to do some trivia? Yes. Let's do some trivia. Okay. Padawan question. This kind of falls in line with what we're just talking about. How many original Jedi textbooks are there on that shelf? Eight. There's nine. I, I looked at it. All right, let's pull up so a picture. So there's a chance, like, I'm pretty sure you may have counted a rock. I was counting that one as two books. You counted it as one, didn't you? I guess, yeah. Oh, okay, maybe you're right. Woohoo! Of course, I should have known. I'm going to give you one that you're going to get. How do you spell Octu? Do you know how many words I have spelled wrong in this notebook in front of me? Oh, I'm sure a lot, but like this is one that I always spell wrong, so I specifically wanted it for one of the 20s. Uh, I probably spelled it wrong. I've probably spelled it differently every single time. Probably. Octo. A-U-C-T-O. Octo. No. Uh, A-H-C-H-T-O. Oh, I should have known there was a C-H in there. Yeah. yeah. So I always forget whether it's T-O or T-U. Okay. Because... Some people call it Octu, some people call it Octo, and I never remember. You should remember it. that it's the O, because then that is interchangeable between O and O. Yes. That's a good point. Yes. There, we'll never have that problem again. There you go. Um, uh, Jedi Knight question for you. Yep. What is the name of the device that Rey uses to relocate the Resistance and Leia? It's what it's what uh, Finn is planting in the in the shuttle. So, or is it the one revealed to, to that Leia had on her Leia wrist? had yes. Um, oh, it's a something binary beacon. Um, and that's correct. A cloaked binary beacon. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Nice. Why binary beacon? Because there's two of them. Two of them, yeah. I guess, sure. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. It's just kind of, but essentially, like, so something that can't be like tracked or permeated. It felt a little bit like patchwork to me. That that device. It felt a little bit like, well, wait, how is Ray going to find them again? Uh, let's say that Layer gave her a device. Yeah, I guess. But like, really though, if you were to do that mission, they had to evacuate. She had sure. to go. How else were you going to do it? Uh, yeah. Yeah, and I like the. You can't I, send a page to the unknown regions. No, and I like the idea of Finn trying to make sure that Ray doesn't come back yeah. here. And I also like the notion of if it's like a cloaked binary beacon, it kind of sounds like an old analog technology almost, yeah. which would mean that like they need to operate on that kind of level so mm -hmm. that they can't be tracked in a certain way. Because yeah. like, it 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 kind of does work for me. I don't I don't mind that one. Whereas there's a lot of other things in on that ship on that resistance ship that I would take away first. What next? Um, what is the code breakers signature piece of attire used to identify him? It's a, it's a brooch, but I forget what the word she uses to describe it's red. And it's a, it's like a flower pin. It's a plum bloom on a, his lapel, okay. a red plum bloom on his lapel. 
Does the killing of Admiral Akbar feel quite flippant to you? Everybody hates that. It's such a bummer. He's like I, a, an I iconic li- character. I like it. Yeah. Uh, a lot of people really, really hate it because people love Akbar. Right. I like it because it's war. Sure, I guess that's true, the casualties of war. But couldn't he have been Holdo in this movie? Wouldn't that have been great? Everybody says that. Yeah. Everybody says that. And that's the thing. People like, that would have been such a cool way to go out. But to be honest, if you're when you consider storytelling, if you want to... The only way to redeem Poe in this movie is if Poe is the one who does what Holdo does. Right. It's the only way. That's true. And we don't want to kill Poe in this movie. No, and the other thing is I'm being a little hypocritical because Admiral Akbar is just another Boba Fett phenomenon where he's really not a consequential character plot-wise. He's got more consequence than Boba Fett. Well, I mean... Boba they, Fett. They, they, Boba Fett. They both matter a lot in the story, but they're not at all supposed to be as iconic as they ended up becoming. No. Um, no, of course not. But, I mean, Akbar is... He's high up. He's high in the rankings. Sure. So that's an important thing. Um, but I think that's also, you're right in the sense of having Holdo kind of rise to a position that she's maybe not, like she's designated survivor, essentially. Yep. And yep, so, exactly. And so have, you have to wipe out people like Akbar if you want to put somebody like that in charge. But Little nitpick, in that same attack, when Poe is running out to get on his X-Wing fighter and then Kylo Ren blasts at the hangar, mm-hmm. you're right, he doesn't uh, get hit himself. Poe should have died. He's blown back by the shockwave and... He gets thrown, that oh, human being. He 100% should have died. That is in my take backs in terms of he should not have been nearly as close. No. They should have had him 20, 15 feet behind. Every bone in his body would be broken. Yep. And the fact that he doesn't take any shrapnel, which is flying all over the place. Yeah, BB's head, BB-8's head falls off. Right. <laughs> it's a little It's a little overdone. Oh, absolutely. How do we feel about the fact that they establish in this movie that you can track through light speed? I love it because it was brought up in Rogue One. I know, that's thing, really cool. A thing that they were developing. It makes sense. Yeah, I think I think it works. It, it definitely does create some problems in terms of moving past this point. Well, uh, unless however, they just, the, the technology dies with the First Order. Yeah, that's that's a, f- a fair way of putting it. But in, in the same vein, I also don't think we need to go moving forward in Star Wars. I think... Mm. You go a few thousand years back in the way the technology is. You... Really? You don't think we're ever going to go post-episode 9? Oh, no, no. I 100% think we will. I don't want to for another for a while. 20 years. Yeah, we got a lot of ground to cover in the meantime. There are You're right. thousands and thousands of years you can cover. There's no reason to... like. It takes away from the Skywalker saga if it's not the end of... Not the main culmination. Right. And if you're going to have it as a Skywalker saga, whereas you potentially want to pick up at a later date, you need to have a good chunk of time pass for the fans to be okay with that. Yeah. Especially if you like, if you want to have people like Daisy Ridley involved and like such, you're going to want them to have aged a bit, or potentially you want to have it so far set in the future that you are trying to not have any of those characters involved. So you set it like 200 years past the rise of Skywalker. I also and you think... just leave this time frame alone. Leave, Let them actually achieve peace in the galaxy. Well, that's what I wanted to say is I, I think that the stakes of episode nine and this nine episode saga, this arc in general, yeah. the stakes matter a whole lot more if never again do we have to worry about the fate of the galaxy resting on one person. And exactly. so if, if you're going to tell a story that is post rise of Skywalker, you can tell a good story in there, but I'm not sure the stakes should be the galaxy will end if you lose. It might have to be a smaller character. Yeah, and that's why I think you don't go back to it for a long time. Yep. And you could even have it as like, 
Return of the Skywalker. Yep. And you have it as somebody realizes they're a long lost descendant of the Skywalkers in some way, shape, or form. It's dicey. That's a risky move. It's dicey, but you don't have it as like the Skywalker saga. And you have them as like, who knows? But what I'm saying is way down, way, way down the road, you can have it so that you can connect, but aren't directly connecting to this saga. Right. Right. If you're going to go past it. A couple of things I thought. One, the 20, Leia gets a really good Podameron slap across the face in there. Yeah. It's like a really good movie slap. There's also a really good, uh, just in terms of movie making, there's an excellent transition between the close-up on Kylo Ren's face in the cockpit of his ship and Ray's, uh, and Leia's face. Mm-hmm. This is where you acknowledge that the two of them are kind of indirectly yeah. communicating and that he knows that she's there. Their faces kind of fade into one another. And it feels Star Wars-y because there's a, there's a, there's a fairly corny fade that wouldn't work in most films and it sure. does work here and it's emotional. It goes quiet. And then it reveals this thing about Kylo, which is that he does still have light in him in spite of what Ray just said about Kylo Ren. Yeah. So I think that's a good moment too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. She says to Luke, there's no light left in Kylo Ren. That's a terrible line. It's not a good line. She delivers it in a way that you don't notice how terrible of a line it is. It, yeah, that's fair. It's also, it's just not something that she specifically knows to be true about Kylo Ren. She had, she's had one encounter with him and he was hostile, but she doesn't know him enough yet to know if that's true, unless she's gotten that message from, from Leia and Leia wouldn't say it. Well, that's actually, so it is interesting because they, they form a, like a very deep understanding of one another. Come on, your microphone. When they have, um, kind of that invasion of the other's mind mm-hmm. in the uh, interrogation scene in The Force Awakens. Yeah. And so she understands and cares about the fate of Ben Solo more than she should and understands why. Mm-hmm. Um, and Leia can, I think, understand that. And so she does share a little bit, but of course is uncomfortable. Here's a potentially unanswerable question. Are Han and Leia for sure married? Yes. Yeah. I'm 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 98% sure that that is canonized in okay. some way shape or form. I figure it I guess it would be, but I I also want to be careful that's not just a thing we're assuming because of happily ever after. No, I'm like I'm 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 almost positive that that's been stated in a comic or book um that that just that that was a thing. I don't I don't necessarily know if there was ever that that occurrence in well, some piece it, of canon, it, it but seems it's to, been referenced. It, I, it has to. Be. It seems to be there was at least a short period of time where everything was good in the hood. Like oh, yeah. Luke was still around, and Leia and Han were proud parents, and this kid was strong with the Force, and he was going to train to be a Jedi. Like so, Luke it seems. Was, it seems Luke like was also probably, never really around. Actually, well, he was around to. to he was around somewhat, but yeah. like, you mean he was off being a hero? Yeah, sure. He, he was. He, Luke was like. But there was no bad blood. There was no abandoning no, people. No, 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 no. Yeah. However, I, I don't think... I think Luke didn't see a whole lot of Han and Leia. Right. I maybe. Mean, he still would have seen them maybe around holidays, but... <laughs> <laughs> he got his invitation. That's He right. brought the casserole. Oh, of course. All right. That's all I got for this 20, which I thought was, was actually it's not... a much better 20. I, I, I didn't like it. Oh, actually. no? No, I, I found it to be a sloppier 20. Oh, yeah. wow. I thought the first 20 was such a bad 20, and this one was a much... A much improved version. I don't want to come to the end of this season of the podcast and be like, you know what? Everyone's right. This movie sucks. I don't think that'll happen. Because especially since the second half of The Last Jedi, I'm really pro. Um, 
but I haven't liked a lot of what I saw in the last 40 minutes of viewing. Oh yeah, that's that's completely understandable. The Last Jedi it takes bro- a while to get going. It's part of the problem. It has it has just a few. Yeah, it definitely takes a long time to get going, and that first 20 minutes is horribly it's done a slog. in the yeah. sense that you could start it. You could pretty much start it without the first 20 minutes. Maybe. You, you pretty much could. Yeah, you can you kind of pull could. it off. Yeah. Uh, and that's not a good thing, uh, especially seeing as if you just kind of reshape those little bits, you do it a half hour, it's all nice and, and a lot better. But yeah. this movie has a lot of problems still coming. We have not got to Canto Bite. We have not got to DJ, no Phasma. Mm-hmm. But in the same vein, the Praetorian Guards, the throne room scene, Battle of Crate. Like, this movie... It's just hit and miss. It, yeah. There's very little middle of the water. Yep. There's a lot of that's phenomenal and a lot of that's real bad, really bad. Yeah. Um, whereas, okay. yeah, it, it's it's just it's very divisive in in that regard within the film. I don't think it deserves its divisiveness as a film. Well, and like you always say, we really got to reserve genuine. Oh judgment. yes, yeah, hundred percent. I mean, like that's the, you. There are little tidbits that we could totally not be picking up on. And after we watch Rise of Skywalker, I'm going to want to watch these two movies again, especially, specifically to look up anything. Are you ready to move on? Anything else? Yep, I'm ready to move on. Okay, great. What's going on in the the leukosphere? Uh, oh, so I like the, that. Is that the word? Isn't it? Didn't you make up that word? I, I said the leukosphere. Oh, the leukosphere. I and, like that better. That's better. But I don't know. The leukosphere I kind of like too. Okay, cool. Um, so Jedi Fallen Order. Yes. Had its official trailer. And Video it, game. Yes. It looks goddamn awesome. Great. It looks incredible. So apparently there's not that many force abilities by the sounds of things, but there are a lot of ways in which you can develop them. Mm-hmm. So you they will get increasingly more powerful throughout the game. And... The settings look incredible. Apparently, it's a split between worlds we know and worlds we don't. And you get the ability to kind of travel between them. And you have kind of key things you're trying to look for collectively and on each planet and Mm -hmm. key missions for each area. And you can kind of do things in different orders and a lot of exploring. And so it's really sounds exciting in that regard. So kind of like guided, guided linear story. There's not like a mini map in the corner. Your droid can kind of pull up like schematics for you on certain things. That but sounds pretty cool. It allows for a lot of exploring, which sounds really cool. When does this come out? Uh, this comes out the 15th or the 12th. And this is like a PlayStation game? Yep. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so I, I will, I'll definitely want to get this one. Yeah, that sounds great. Yeah, it sounds phenomenal. I think there's, a, it looks like there's going to be a minimum of six planets. Uh, and so from the comparable of gameplay there should be like a minimum of like 15 hours of gameplay, whereas there was, I think, like three hours of gameplay in Battlefront. So it's like... Jesus, that's then, brutal. Yeah, like four hours. Or like Keep in mind, this is the story mode. And so... So is there like a sandbox kind of context to the gameplay? Kind of, in the yeah. sense that like you're going to certain planets and there are certain objectives that you have on those planets. You mm-hmm. don't necessarily need to do things in certain orders. You're trying to collect things to like, improve your your skills and abilities and I guess your ability to evade the the, the looming empire. And right. I'm assuming the character will probably die in the end unless they want to make like a couple more unless they want to continue this character to kill him in another medium or another video game. That could probably happen. That could very well yeah. happen. Uh, potentially, you have to go up against Darth Vader at the end. Wouldn't shock me at all. It's kind of what I expect to have happen. Right. The game was known as kind of the spiritual successor of The Force Unleashed. Yep. And so it would not surprise me because you're going up against uh, the Sisters, which are the Inquisitors. And so that's phenomenal. Really ties in with Rebels that way, bringing kind of Rogue One, Rebels... Uh, Order 66, 
and the original trilogy vibe all into one kind of feel, which it, it, it really, really looks exciting. That's very special. Yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah, that's all I can say is it looks like the first time Star like Lucas Disney has licensed the right thing to the right studio at EA. Okay, good. Because they've just given full reign to EA and EA has done an atrocious job. Right. But this is really exciting. Cool. Uh, I mentioned Resistance Reborn. Uh, the new there's a new author to that, or Rebecca Roanhouse is her name. Or this Roan is her Horse, first Star Wars book. First Star, Star Wars book. But cool. From the little I read, I would. Uh, I'm very excited to read more, mm-hmm. uh, which is encouraging. Yeah, uh, to cram that one in November. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Uh, the Kylo comic. Uh, so this is kind of cool. How I mentioned before, he was on like uh, this planet, whereas Vader fought a battle before, and so he's talking with the Benethi, which are the people there, and uh, the kind of king or or leader he he's a little disrespectful to kylo ren i think kylo ren kills him or chops off his head or mm-hmm. chops off his legs or something um but anyway so kylo's pissed and then it kind of looks like oh he just thrown a little bit of tantrum not really knowing what he's doing here and then the zillow beast shows up which is a creature that was introduced in the clone wars which is almost like this godzilla like monster okay it's huge or like a one-headed hydra but it's massive and in like Bigger than huge buildings. Palpatine had a Zillow beast underneath um, like the Jedi temple and like the deep, deep area. And like, so it's like, these are like monstrous things. And Kylo flies right down its throat. Oh, damn. And just kills it. Just like, like cuts through it. Well, no, the stormtrooper who, well, yeah, the stormtrooper who fought with Vader is just like, yeah, good job, kid. Your grandfather would be proud. He, <laughs> says, he says that on the ground, of course, as Kylo, because he just sees Kylo get swallowed up. Gross. And then of course, Kylo, just like Hercules, chops its head off or cuts through him from the inside and then turns to all of like the sea of Benethi watching what's happened as this godlike creature was just murdered by this guy in a mask. But this Zillow beast is almost like this it's like a, a godly monster, but it's but it's not a positive thing. Like it's a, right. it's a beast. And so this got this creature just slayed this thing that they've kind of seen as this Un- unstoppable, unstoppable, godly creature. And so he just sticks out his lightsaber and they just bow Ooh. And, and like your allegiance is now to the first order. And so it's just like, that's how Kylo goes in to set his tone and show. Pretty cool. Yeah. Grandpa came in. He led an army. I flew right down its throat. <laughs> <laughs> By the way, very graphic sequence in a Disney movie is is Hercules's many-headed Hydra sequence. Oh, absolutely! And if you, I'll just show you the little uh, picture right here of Kylo covered in guts. Ew! Yeah, that's pretty cool. But it is pretty cool just having yeah. them like bow down to me, sort of. Um, in the film world, uh, I want to kind of show you something. Remember how I mentioned last week about that poster that was leaked, and it was actually a T-shirt. Um, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is looking like there's a chance that could still be the leaked actual poster. Okay. It, it might be the poster for the movie. And it's not a great Don't poster. Right. Uh, but how I mentioned on the bottom, the Sith Troopers further playing into my clone theory. Mm-hmm. Look at them. That is okay. a clone-ass lineup. Yeah, those are clones. Yeah. Yeah, they gotta be. There's no way they're not clones. Right. And I, I it more people should see that, I think. It, yeah. Because you even see the white Stormtroopers on the poster as well in formation like actually like none of them are looking similar they're at in like a fighting stance whereas these guys are off an assembly line what's that 
promo photo above where it's Ray and Kylo standing back to back and the word says Empire. Yes, so that's actually what I also want to say. Empire Magazine. Oh, okay. So Empire... That, thank God, because I was like, that looks terrible. No, yeah. So Empire Magazine, uh, they always do a cover of the Star Wars movies as well. And so there's a couple new photos released through that. Uh, so that's that one right there, which I think was the cover of it. It's aight. Uh, it's, it's okay. I'm, I'm, I'm just relieved to know that it's, it's the name of a magazine. And it's not just like some buzzword they're putting on a Star Wars poster. No, exactly. And so these two right here are the two stills from the movie that they released in the Empire one. It's of the Knights of Ren. I saw these today. And Kylo in a hangar. So I, I lightened up the Knights of Ren one because you don't see anything yeah, in this, it otherwise. Yeah, this is way nicer than what I saw before. Yeah. I so, love the Knights of Ren poster it's so cool so one thing somebody noticed i think on reddit is uh a long time ago i saw this and it's really cool one of the knights of ren and you can identify him that if you lighten a screenshot in the trailer of the hairy hands repairing kylo's mask yeah you can see a knight of ren in the background okay if you change the coloration now there's also some smoke in the background which aligns right here so potentially all the knights of ren are in the background only one was visible in the trailer, and this is them all standing by while Kylo's mask is getting fixed. Or the, potentially not, but... The other photo is a maskless Kylo Ren standing in what appears to be some, some kind of hangar, and uh, weather is coming in. So, some kind of um, godly element is creating mayhem because behind him is this uh, chaotic pile of stormtroopers who can't even stay on their feet. So and he has got a wide stance and he's he's facing this storm head on. Something is either taking off that's huge or the more likely one, I believe it's weather. I believe it's Palpatine controlling the weather right. and that Yoda controlling the lightning from the sky was foreshadowing in The Last Jedi. Oh, and yeah. that Palpatine will use lightning to a far more gruesome extent like he always does. Right in this movie and we'll use the bigger weather. than ever yeah i think using the weather from the unknown regions and we'll lightning and wind i believe is if you can do lightning you can probably do you know thunder and a little bit of wind sure it's actually so poetic and awesome that they if, if this if this thing is about palpatine in the end as much as it's about the skywalkers then yeah there should be so much goddamn lightning in this movie oh my god there should be tons and yeah. it's all over the promotional material right so that's very encouraging i mean it's not associated with palpatine in the promotional material but it's it is lightning in star wars yeah, yeah it's it's directly associated so it, it it's it's clearly just kind of linking it away and if palpatine's in it there's a zero percent chance that he will not use light that he will use that he won't use lightning correct um in the other side of things on film uh, there's one other huge piece of news which came out Ugh. right after we put out, right after we recorded last week's yeah, podcast. It's too late to squeeze it in, but it was a big one. Yep, and that is that Kevin Foggy is on to produce a Star War movie mm -hmm. and uh, a Star War, a Star War. Well, that's what a lot. <laughs> a lot of people do call that like um, a singular Star War, Star War, like call it like a, like a like a, a book or a TV show or yeah. a movie, a Star War, a Star War, just yeah. one, yeah. yeah, just one of the wars. Yes, for now. Uh, and so, yeah, Alan Horn, who's one of Bob Iger's right hands, said, uh, we're pursuing a new era in Star Wars storytelling. And knowing what a diehard fan Kevin is, it made sense for these two extraordinary producers to work on a Star Wars film together, sure. meaning Kathleen Kennedy. And so this has a billion things that people are thinking about as to what it could mean. And I mean, it could mean that Kevin Feige is coming in to do a movie. It could mean that Kevin Feige is coming in to do a trilogy. It could mean Kevin Feige is coming in to set the tone for an entire era which would be phenomenal. And it could also be Kevin Feige 
stepping his foot in while he gets his ducks in a row at Marvel to potentially take, take over Star Wars. I, I'm thinking that too, because no Kevin Feige wants to come into a studio and be bossed around. No. There is a chance that Kevin Feige could be there as a tone setter, yep. whereas he set, like he produces one of the movies and then that kind of like sets a tone for an era, and which could be very cool. I'd be okay with that. Uh, but I would love to see him involved to a greater extent. And yeah. the world building that can come with that and having him as a producer, choosing the right directors to really kind of build an overall big picture, have him own an era mm -hmm. give him 500 or a thousand years of star wars and let him work with it when i was thinking about this and it also came up in the news the george lucas thing in bob Iger's book he mentioned how uh, lucas felt betrayed through negotiations that right. was also came out in the in the news this week and it was really nothing new uh that lucas didn't say in the interview with james cameron or charlie rose but it was interesting to hear that Iger was essentially essentially confirming that they did they started out in a rocky way it's a bummer to hear about yeah. it's a bummer to be reminded that yeah. it was sad for george yeah george had four treatments uh for solo and 789 and they didn't use any of the treatments to make no. the movies and when he kind of saw that he was like well what am i here as a consultant for i mean like it's not at, th at that point he w it was no longer the story that he wanted to tell but what i thought about really is if you have if you're bringing in someone like kevin feige to set up an era hmm. okay that's great, but what happens about the true nature of the Force? Mm -hmm. Who, if somebody does the first Jedi and first Sith, in when I really think about it, I don't want anyone other than George or Dave Filoni to do that. I kind of agree. Like, yeah, he, I don't like if we're yeah. setting like the foundation. If we're writing the book of Genesis, mm -hmm. don't you dare give me anyone but George Lucas yeah. writing the book of Genesis. You're kind of right. And so when I think about what George Lucas wanted to do, uh, some people are speculating that this could be a bit of an olive branch mm -hmm. uh, in by maybe owning it a little bit. And I really hope it is. And that, hey, George, you can't finish the Skywalker saga. Obviously, we just did that. But those key things you wanted to bring to the Star Wars world, those themes that you wanted to do in those movies, we can do that. Mm -hmm. We can still bring that information about the Force and how the Force works Give us some treatments for really, really early on. Yeah. We'll get Dave Filoni and John Favreau, two of them, guys that you trust, guys you like, guys that you've worked with in the past, and those two are going to direct and produce your trilogy, we'll get you to do the treatments and be a major consultant on it, but that way you don't have to worry about the writing, and you'll have people that you trust to be able to execute it. And we this will set up an era, but not necessarily the era we need to work directly from. No. We can have this trilogy... And then really not like skip a thousand years ahead and then we can skip 3000 years ahead. And then maybe the Skywalker saga is still 2000 years ahead of that. Sure, yeah. Who knows? We don't know how long the Jedi have been in this galaxy. No. So there's no reason if we're going to tell the origin story, get Lucas to do it. You don't need to build directly around it. No. You can have it stand on its own. If it's beloved and you can continue the story from on there, great. You don't even need to, to skip your thousand years or 500 years or whatever. But... Otherwise, you better give them the option while we still have them. You understand why that's a little nerve-wracking for them, though, right? Because there's already been this kind of tenuous relationship. It's already been like a little bit of pushback, push him, push you. Mm -hmm. um, and I think even it they, need to be they understand. But yeah, it would need to be Filoni. He can't be left to his own devices. No. And, and it would be a get. Like, people would be psyched. I don't even think people would be shitty no. if if it was the front page of Reddit that said, like, 
George Lucas to direct a Star Wars movie. People would be not even game. direct it. Get John Favreau to direct it, like or Dave Filoni to direct it, making yeah. his first live action. Uh, but have the two of them involved in writing and directing, or one or the other. Yeah. Um, and have George Lucas be treatments and consultant. Have him create the story. Don't have him do any of the writing or the dialogue. His intention, he got Michael Arndt to do the writing for what were going to be his scripts. And he got Kathleen Kennedy to produce it. You and think he knows he's not a, he, a great screenwriter? Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. He, like, he wanted to have like somebody else write it. And he wanted to have Kathleen Kennedy produce it. And he wanted J.J. to direct it. Right. He, he was part of the decision making on all the pieces. And then... The overarching story, which was what he was supposed to provide, mm-hmm. or what he thought he was providing when he sold it as part of the package, ended up not being the option. But everything else that he created was. But they basically just said, okay, we're not going to advance the medium. We're just going to focus on nostalgia. Right. Which, you know what? People wanted that for those original characters, and that's fine. But those things that George Lucas wanted to bring to Star Wars deserve to still be brought to Star Wars. They may not be the end of Luke Skywalker, Leia, and Han's story, but... It tells us a hell of a lot more about the galaxy far, far away. And I want that from him. Yeah, I agree. So that's something that it really got me thinking that like this, like it's great bringing in Kevin Feige and it's great to kind of hit that reset button on like, okay, let's refigure out how this galaxy is going to work moving forward. But we don't have George Lucas forever. And these are like, if we want to set a baseline for everything, Set it at the very beginning. Well, and set a new baseline that's not Skywalker-centric. Because yeah. it's very hard for us, for a lot of us, maybe not so much for you, but for me, and I'm guessing more so for the casual Star Wars viewer, yep. it's very hard to imagine Star Wars without these characters and it still being Star Wars. Yeah. So you need to you need to lay a, a new groundwork, a mm-hmm. new foundation. I also do believe that it makes more sense to do Knights of the Old Republic first. Yeah. I, I 100% believe that. You can have this be something that is a little bit longer in development Maybe you have two or th- or all three of the, the trilogy for Knights of the Old Republic come out. So this is not like an immediate thing right after. Uh, we've already had a fresh set of new characters. So this will be in another fresh set of new characters. But we will still have thousands of years to work on on either end of the Old Republic trilogy right. that you can build off of. And then you don't have to touch this one. So it's not like, okay, let's set this up over here. But then let's also set something else up and expand that one. Because this one is the kind of thing we want, we want to leave alone for a little bit. But no, so it, it, there's a, there's definitely a way to go about it, but it would behoove them to do that. I agree. Okay, a good, a good plea, a good mission statement. Uh, Mandalorian poster also came out. Uh, they um, kind of... Uh, is it the one that's kind of sunny? It's kind of brighter than I yeah, like? Yeah, it's bright. It's got Mandalorian on the front, IG-11, Cara Dune. Uh, it's got a couple of aliens in the background. Yeah, it, it's this guy. Yeah, yeah, I know that. Oh, no, I don't know that one. You don't know that one? I like that better than the other Mandalorian poster I saw. Yeah, the other one was kind of like a teaser poster. I like this one because it almost looks... It looks like a comic book. It looks like a Penny Dreadful. It looks like a ratty book in the in the bargain bin of a used bookstore. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. Yeah, no, it definitely has an interesting look about it. I don't know... Um, I don't know if I love it. I don't know what it is about it, but... Uh, I like the I, orange on it. I, I do. I, I think I preferred the other one, actually. Okay. I think I preferred... The, I thought it was just maybe a little bit cleaner. All right. Like, I, like Star Wars posters don't have to look clean. A lot of them usually look messy as hell, mm-hmm. but I just find this doesn't have that Star Wars vibe. No, it doesn't. And but it I doesn't do. have necessarily the cleanness if I want to veer, veer away from that. Yeah, but it kind of has a Terminator vibe. 
Oh, it does. Yeah. IG-11 definitely gives it a Terminator vibe. That's a good point. Yeah. Uh, as well, Deborah Chow, who directed two seasons, uh, who directed two of the episodes in the first season of The Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. She's brought on to be kind of the main director for the Obi-Wan TV show. So that's really encouraging. Yep. Uh, she uh, previously directed episodes of Lost in Space, Jessica Jones, Better Call Saul, and American Gods. Great. And so she was also the one that they felt could provide the best that's a good resume. Yeah, but also a really good look, and also the Mandalorian episodes. Yeah. But a good look on Obi-Wan as like almost like a character study, somebody who could really work with like single perspective storytelling. When you think of Better Call Saul, Jessica Jones, it definitely seems to, and Mandalorian, it seems to ring true from the kind of that like first person perspective. Right. Uh, trying to tell something that's moving. Uh, also, uh, scripts written by uh, Hossein Amini, who uh, he wrote Drive. Uh, Ryan Gosling movie. Not a fan of that movie. Uh, Mick Mafia, which you oh, also said was not good. Was not a fan of that show. Uh, the Alienist. I don't know that. I don't know that either. Uh, it's not clear whether he's potentially a showrunner, but he's involved in some way, shape, or form. Okay. Another thing is apparently The Mandalorian 100% has a name that we're going to find out. Okay. But he's called The Mandalorian and everything. Right. So that does pose the question that we may know the name. Oh, interesting. And so I was just kind of going through, and really the only Mandalorians that we've been introduced to are through Clone Wars and Rebels, which means the guy who created those is Filoni, who's yeah. directly involved. Favreau's character in Clone Wars was a Mandalorian. Oh. Uh, his character name was Pre Vizsla, mm-hmm. who was very powerful in Mandalore, but he really, in the end, went a little crazy and became kind of a terrorist and would definitely have brought a lot of shame on that family name. Oh, you think he could be he could be a Vizsla? Yeah, so I thought about it. He could be a Vizsla, um, but the only other real families that make sense would also be the Ren family or clan. They were, their clans are how it is on Mandalore. Okay. And that would be the character of Sabine, so it could be related to one of the main characters in Rebels. Uh, she had an older brother. Her last name is Ren? Uh, Ren with a W, yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, but she has an older brother and age-wise it would align for that older brother to potentially go a little rogue and could be the mandalorian sure that'd be cool that would be very interesting and then there's also the cries family which is uh satine uh she was the duchess of mandalore during the clone wars she was their like queen essentially yeah and she was uh whom obi-wan had uh, a love affair with i kind of like the idea of of him being like a black sheep rich kid it would be interesting because of the Cries family, 100%. Yeah. Because um, Bo-Katan, who's voiced by Katie Sackhoff, who will 100% be in The Mandalorian. Yeah. Because she's an actress first and was very coy about the likelihood of being in The Mandalorian. And so right. We talked about that. Will. And her sister is Satine. Mm-hmm. And she becomes... Uh, she was a mercenary at one point, but does return to Mandalore and becomes the leader of Mandalore, Bo-Katan. And so... That's a very important family. The Vizsla family has a checkered past now, but also a very rich history. And the Ren family has, uh, Satine did wield the dark saber, which is essentially a black lightsaber, which almost makes you like, it's almost like the Excalibur. He who holds the dark sword or she who holds the dark sword is the right. leader of Mandalore. Okay. So Darth Maul, he stole the dark saber at one point to, oh. to rule Mandalore. Ah. Why? Because Obi-Wan had a connection to Mandalore, and so it allowed him to... <laughs> Man, that's cool. Yeah, and so very vindictive in that regard. And so there's the likelihood of the Darksaber coming into play is pretty high. 
in some way, shape, or form. And so that's always encouraging that there could be a nice tie into Rebels or Clone Wars with this on the main character. Because if we don't know his name, there's got to be a reason it's hidden. Yeah, I agree. Okay. Is that it? Is that all you have? Uh, more smoke is being built up that Ray is a blood Palpatine. Okay. Um, but I really, uh, the more I think about the kind of the thought of if Palpatine and Plagueis created Anakin, uh, that Palpatine and Vader may have created Ray. Mm. Uh, I just, that one has sat with me for the last week, and I'm still liking that as the best way for Ray to be a Skywalker and the one that seems to make a lot of sense. Okay. Cool. Yeah. Happy birthday uh, this week to Junus Suotamo. Is that how you pronounce it? Uh, Suotamo. Okay. That's Something like that. Today, Thursday the 3rd is his birthday. Happy birthday. Next Wednesday the 9th, happy birthday to Brian Blessed, who played Boss Nass. Oh, nice. In The Phantom Menace. I don't know what that guy's up to these days. There, I forget. I, there, it's Do not, you know? There, no, no, no. There's, there's a, there, I, I saw an interview with him on some crazy where are they now. Yeah. And I, 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 I know of an update on his life that is slipping my mind. It's amazing how you can make your one little thing like oh, yeah. into your whole career. I think he's done other things. No, I'm sure. I don't yeah. mean to discredit him. No, I don't know what you mean. But uh, well, that was interesting. You wouldn't I, recognize him if you saw him. Well, I was reading about Kenny Baker and uh, just to really see like who may have been like whether it was Kenny Baker or D- Anthony Daniels who was the dick. Uh, and everybody always said it was Anthony Daniels. I think so. But it, and it may have been, but by the sounds of it, Anthony Daniels was maybe rude to Kenny Baker, but it also sounds Kenny Baker was pretty money hungry. Oh, is that right? And that, like he wanted to milk the cons dry and wanted to like, not necessarily like abuse the situation, but like if other people are going, getting paid to go to cons who have one line in Star Wars, Anthony, yeah, why don't we tour as 3PO and R2, think of the money we could make. That's true. Uh, and so I don't think Anthony Daniels wanted to, and I think he was maybe really rude about it, and Kenny Baker didn't take no for an answer, and then maybe Ken- Anthony Daniels got a little more increasingly rude. But I just thought that was kind of an interesting one. Isn't it so interesting that initially in 1977, for a lot of the people who were working on this movie, it wasn't having the opportunity to work on the most exciting film franchise of all time. It was just a job. And in fact, it was a job that they... That they feared made them look silly. Oh my God, like, yeah. That's how Alec Guinness felt. Definitely. Anthony Daniels felt the same way. He, yeah. he had no interest in the role until he saw 3PO's face. Yeah. Uh, and he said he fell in love with the innocence on 3PO's face. And I believe that. Uh, he, he's, de- nice. he's described it many a time before and just like the artwork of Ralph McQuarrie. But there was every reason. Won him over. There was every reason to think this movie was going to be a colossal failure. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Everything pointed in that direction, uh, and like the Mark Hamill quote uh, when he was like trying to bring up an inconsistency to George and Harrison was just like, "Good." I mean, it's not that kind of movie. <laughs> Are you working on that? No, I was just doing my Mark Hamill doing Harrison Ford. Right, no, it's very good. It's It really works in the uh, the ASMR of my headphones. Okay, good. It sounded really good to me. Uh, so those are the only birthday wishes. Forgot to cast one. Uh, movie that premiered uh, on the festival circuit this weekend is already considered critically a front runner for potentially best picture at the Oscars this year. And it reunites some of the most essential movie stars of all time. So if you got to cast one in Star Wars, is it going to be Robert De Niro or Al Pacino in honor of The Irishman coming out soon? Oh, yeah. I've heard it's absolutely destroying people's, like, people are, we're not expecting it to be potentially Scorsese's best. I've yeah, I know. That it's three hours and 20 minutes. Holy Goodness gracious. Crap. Yeah. Uh, it's an interesting, 
a really interesting outlook into de-aging. Yeah. Because we do get to see Robert De Niro in a way that we haven't really seen. Like Samuel L. Jackson, we were able to de-age him to a point where we recognize that Samuel L. Jackson. Uh, Gemini Man, we're going to have a ton of Fresh Prince um, Will Smith. Okay, but both Samuel L. Jackson and Will Smith are aging better than Robert De Niro. No, but the point is here, Robert De Niro is the oldest person that they've ever brought this young. Right. And so the 20-something-year-old Robert De Niro... You see the 80-year-old behind him where you don't see it behind the 40-year-old Robert De Niro, uh, but you compare a 20-year-old actual Robert De Niro versus the de-aged one, and they look nothing alike. Right. And so it's just kind of interesting to see, like, because it really shows how far the medium has gone and where the medium can still improve. Mm -hmm. Uh, But when it comes to those specific people, that's a really tough one. Well, and you can have... It's, it's interesting because both of them are, are two of the greatest actors ever. Mm. We don't have a lot of evidence to support that they're still as great as they once were. But it, it's also, it's it's kind of dicey to get bogged down in that because, you know, mm. you you get divorced, you got to do a shitty movie. Yeah. Um, and this movie, apparently, they're both really good. Like, they both uh, got nominated for their roles in The Godfather and The Godfather 2, respectively. Oh, great actors. De Niro won. So, like... Oh yeah, there's no denying that, and they're contemporaries. Oh yeah, uh, I, I either could work. I don't think either would ever be put in a Star Wars movie. Nope. But Al Pacino could work as an alien. Yeah. Uh, an alien crime boss. I don't know if I want to see that. I think that'd be corny. Not necessarily. Not like a giant Jabba the Hut. No. But like potentially a little bit more of a Weasley, uh, a little bit crazy older alien. Could maybe know. work. I think that makes me sad. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't work for me. I want to see his face. Oh, it's, it's tough, though, with faces in that regard. Now, Robert De Niro just doesn't have a voice for doing anything other than acting with his entire presence. You're right. Al Pacino, I can see it working. Mm. Um, but with Robert De Niro, you almost have to use his face. And I don't know what you can make him. Yeah. Like he's just he's so recognizable. He's he's Robert De Niro. Yep. He's not anything else. Yeah, but Robert De Niro works better as an alien to me than Al Pacino for some reason. I don't know why that is. I could see him maybe as like a similar alien to like Dryden Voss as he's like pretty much a human, human like. Yeah. yeah. Uh and being a villain, I guess, but yeah, I don't know. I think you make him it's a tough one. You make him a figurehead. Right. But with very little actual involvement mm-hmm. in the plot. I could have I said Joe Pesci. That would have made it even more difficult. No, I think it would have made it easier. He's an alien. Yeah. I think, yeah. But like, and also, like specifically, Robert De Niro is who I would want to pick. But I would pick Al Pacino because I think he has... He, he can fit a lot more quietly. Yeah. And there are, there's some more versatility that you can do. You could make him look like a different person you can't make robert de niro look like a different person True. whereas al pacino if you do want to make him potentially uh like you recast dj don't give him a lisp you could make it al pacino yeah it's just making him like a, an old man in the same sort of way and he sells them out in a in a, in a kind of a, a ditch effort i but, like that better uh you could do the same with de niro though and that would be kind of cool if de niro was dj it could be then you're changing the character you could make him very kind He's, of I, I don't know if you want to be like chicken shit, but yeah, like, I don't know. It's, it, it's, 
you could make De Niro kind of like a Canto Bite level crime boss. You could yeah. go like full on. Oh yeah, put him in Casino. Yeah, like you could make it like so on the nose. Right. I guess if you're going to put De Niro in it, make it on the nose, make him the casino guy, <laughs> but I will pick uh, Al Pacino okay. so that you can make him, uh, you know, an alien-ish type let us up. Let us know who you're going to cast in Star Wars, uh, Robert De Niro or Al Pacino. You can also let us know any thoughts you might have had on this week's podcast uh, or the first 40 minutes of Star Wars The Last Jedi. If you want to be caught up to where we are by next week's podcast, we're, watch the first hour of Episode 8, The Last Jedi. Um, and you can tweet us uh, at Recorder66 or email Recorder66Podcast at gmail.com. Rate and review on your preferred podcast app. And until we're together again, may the force be with you. <laughs>